In October 7, 1989, as an American Baptist pastor, I did my first deliverance. And I've shared this testimony before. But as the, the Lord has um, developed um, the whole concept of deliverance, the Lord took us from the classic deliverance model to eventually going into the generations. And somewhere in our journey in the last several years, I started asking at the beginning of each deliverance session the following question of the Lord. Lord, would you reveal to the person either a memory from their past or a dream? I really do not know how I came to that conclusion, but it certainly probably was from the Holy Spirit. And as we would ask people these questions, they would reveal dreams, and often my first reaction is, I do not have a clue what that dream means. And then we would start exploring it in the session with a team, and we would see that God would start revealing issues in the generational line, or sometimes even issues in their life, that came directly out of the dream, and I would say 100% of the time, it was amazing that the Lord would zero in on the key issue in the person's life. And so we have come today to help develop our skills in dream and vision interpretation and generational deliverance. Now, I must tell you that Dale Shannon, Linda Fembris, and I come with great trepidation because we have a fear that you might think that we're experts. And we want to assure you that we are not. That like you, we are learning, that we feel inadequate. But we have simply gone on a journey that the Lord has given us many, many experiences that we want to share with you. Now, one of the things I think that is important for us to uh, believe in is that we can look at dreams perhaps in some new ways. I remember in the very very early days, I, I had this concept of dreams that it was it was static and and we would try to figure it out and maybe there's this one meaning. And I want you just to be prepared to get outside of the box of what you think about dreams. And perhaps even start understanding that maybe my dreams may be telling me some things about my past or even my generation's past that can help me move into new levels of freedom. Now, uh, our friend Barbara Parker had a dream, I think a couple of nights ago, and I believe the dream is really key for what we want to look at in our time together. So, Barbara, could you share your dream with us? And Barbara has lots of dreams. Many of them are epics, but this one is nice and concise and short. We appreciate the epic dreams, incidentally. Well, this one was part of an epic. But for the background part is that I am a hospice nurse, so that puts, puts the dream in context for you. I deal with a lot of patients that have terrible bed sores and wounds and things. And I just felt like I was dreaming all night that I was working. And I kept taking care of these patients with horrible um, ulcers on their heels, bad, bad heel wounds. And when I woke up and thought about it and prayed about it, what I realized was that God was talking to me about heal the wounds, not heal wounds, but heal the wounds, 
And then also in talking with Paul, we're thinking about the first curse being against the heel. So we're healing the heel wounds. Isn't it a great focus that we are not just here to do something academic, but that we really want to be used of the Lord to heal not only ourselves, but to help bring healing to others. And dreams can be an incredible tool in bringing healing to people. Now, we are team teaching this, and we want you also to be engaged. And Dale and Linda and I come from from different perspectives, and we met yesterday, and we have agreed that we may have different ways of looking at dreams. And they may even seem counter, but that is not necessarily bad, because we believe that team interpretation probably is the best model, that you're not going to just come to me and say, okay, what does this dream mean? That we like to interpret it in context through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to model that. And you might even hear us saying things that are different. And I have given them permission to do that. That's all right. That is not necessarily bad. We want to give you the possibilities of the way of looking at dreams. I want to share with you a couple of generational dreams that I had. One night I was in bed with Donna, and uh, just before I woke up, I had a dream of a woman dressed like a cow girl. Wouldn't be a cowboy, it'd be a cow girl. She was buff and husky like somebody in the West, and she had a shotgun in, in her hand. And she came around and she pointed the shotgun at me. Well, my reaction was that I kicked my foot up to kick off the shotgun. Now, I might, might tell you as a side note that I kicked Donna. <laughs> so she has, to put, she has had to put up a lot in my, my journey. And as I kicked my wife, I said my grandmother. And I woke up. Now, I have been doing generational deliverance for a long time by this time, probably at least 10 years. And all of a sudden, I had a flash of a memory that I had never dealt with in my generational line. My grandmother, on my father's side, we believed, was killed by Lizzie Borden. Now, some of you may have heard of her. She was a, uh, a woman who killed, I think, several people. And there's an indication that she may have killed my grandmother. And you see, that was a generational issue of murder that I have never dealt with. So guess what I did? I dealt with it right away. Second dream. I was in Toronto on our first ministry trip to the Toronto Airport Church. We were ministering to the staff. And while we were there, my daughter Christy kept on calling saying, Jessica, who then was somewhere around three or four, I believe, my granddaughter Jessica, um, she was screaming, and we're not talking about an hour worth of screaming. She was screaming hours. If you ever had a child do that, you know that can be very annoying. And she could not slow her down. And so my, Christa can be, my, my daughter Christy can be very persuasive, and, and she said, Dad, if you do not take care of this over the phone, you're coming home right now. Because I cannot take this anymore. 
And so I prayed for her on the phone, and it would stop. And then it would start up again, and we did this several times, and finally it stopped. And then I said, Lord, which I would have, should have done at the beginning, I said, Lord, what is this all about? And I had a dream. And in the dream, there was this giant bird the size of a horse coming towards me. And, of course, my emotion was fear. And I woke up and I realized that this is what my granddaughter Jessica was seeing because she is very visual and she was probably seeing this horse, this, this bird the size of a horse coming towards her. Then I remembered that Donna, uh, when we were just newly married, was having a reoccurring dream of blackbirds attacking her. And it occurred to me in a brilliant thought, this might be generational. So we came back home, and I got Donna and Christy and Jessica together, and we prayed. We went back um, many generations. I think it was over 45 generations. And we found druids in Donna's line, and the druids were involved with the ravens, which are blackbirds that were attacking both Donna and Jessica. And so we prayed against that, and her night terrors about that went away. So we believe that dreams cannot just be only for what may be happening in the future, but they could be a, an incredibly good and effective diagnostic tool. Now I want to tell you three aspects of the way I get dreams personally for generational deliverance besides the, the issue of our own family issues. In, in one aspect of dreams, I am the person I am praying for the next day, or in a couple days. So I actually am going through the emotions and the feelings and the stuff of the person that I am praying for. Now, <laughs> this can be very embarrassing, because you wake up and you're repenting for all this stuff. I thought, my goodness, where did that thought come from? And I'm breaking off all this stuff. And then I have the prayer session, and I realize that I become the person in my dream that I am praying for. The second thing that happens, that I am present in what is happening in the generational um, line of someone else I am praying for. Now, this also is very embarrassing, and one of the, the really clear dreams I had, I was in a bathhouse of homosexuals, and there, there were three pools, and in these three pools, there were nude men. And so I'm waking up, and I'm just repenting for everything I can repent for, and then in the generational deliverance, the next day, we go back to Greece and homosexual activity, and I realized that the Lord had prepared me to observe what had happened in the generational line. So that's another thing that has happened to me. Now, the third area is really fun, and this has not happened a whole lot of times, but I will have a series of dreams that will outline what I am to do in the generational deliverance. Now, I remember one case, I had a four-part dream, so it's much like the second method I've told you. But in the dream, it will, I will actually follow the four parts, and that will be the entire generational deliverance. 
I was praying for a woman that we had prayed for many times. We were on um, the family property in Utah. No, excuse me, it was in Colorado. And the Lord actually gave me a dream in four parts. And the next day, it, I, I had prayed for this woman many times. And I thought, what am I going to do now? And I simply followed the four parts, and she was set free. So, that's just all to tell you, start expecting that maybe the dreams may be not about you or about your circumstance, but it could be something in a much bigger scope. Now, what we want to do today is we want to talk about the importance of dreams, biblical view of dreams, and give you some biblical background. And Dale's going to be talking uh, a little bit in that area. Then we want to talk about colors and numbers and symbols and dreams. And then we're all going to chime in as, as we feel like the Lord is leading us to uh, maybe other information we'd like to share with you. And then we're going to do some case studies of um, dreams that um, I have been involved in and people have given us permission to use these without their name. And then we're going to have you share your dreams. And we're going to attempt uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit to interpret the dreams. So that should be a, basically an outline of our day. So I want to welcome Dale Shannon, and Dale is a college professor and teach English, and she's also had lots and lots of dreams and has been trained in dream interpretation. So Dale, we welcome you, and we pray God's blessing on you and peace as you share with us. Dale's getting everything into position. Yeah, that worked just fine. Okay, I'm in. Sure I do the, yeah. that thing. Okay, got it. Okay, hi. hi. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give you more of a background on um, just dream interpretation and... Um, so we'll start with scripture. Okay, in this, we'll start with Acts 2. This is 17 to 18. And it shall be in the last days, can you hear me all right? God says that I will pour forth of my spirit upon all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond, bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay, so we're going to look at this scripture because I do believe we're living now in the end times. And God is pouring forth revelation like crazy. And he's pouring forth revelation on not just the Christians, but what does it say? All flesh, all mankind. So we see that's why there's such an attraction now to spiritual things and why people are so open to new age and the psychics and what Billy was sharing. I mean, that's just so common now. And even the television shows that people are watching, there's, there's a lot of psychic 
phenomena in the TV shows. So we can see that we are living in that day where God is pouring out spiritual things. And, and there's two sources. You know, there is the source of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then there is the, the source is the tree of life. So we want to go to the source of tree of life because we know that that is from God. Um, but sp- the, Holy, the Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. So all people are getting dreams. And even, um, you know, I've been involved in um, Doug Addison's ministry as well, and that does uh, outreaches with dreams and prophetic uh, words. And uh, when we go out on outreaches... And also, I, I teach English, as Paul was saying. So I, I have my students now. The first assignment I give them is to I'm a, a writing teacher. So I have them write about their dreams. But their dream, you know, it's amazing to get these dreams, and we see that that um, God is talking to people or trying to direct people to Himself through dreams. Okay, we also want to note that there is a pronoun change here. Uh, upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams even upon my bond slaves so notice the your and the my there's a pronoun change English teacher here (laughs) so there's a pronoun change my bond slaves both men and women okay so the Lord is, is saying I'm pouring this spirit out on all flesh and your children, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. So it's, gonna, it's pouring out on all of you, but my bond slaves are the ones uh, that God is actually going to be speaking to and giving us interpretation. That's what I'm believing, too, that there will be some, and that's hopefully us in this room, that are hearing from the God a little bit clearer and... God will give interpretation of what he's saying. Okay, there's also, notice the young man and the old man. Okay, now what is that all about? And I believe that includes women as well. Young women and old women. Okay, so what's that all about? It's not necessarily age, but it's maturity level. And visions... Generally speaking, <laughs> because we, we had this conversation yesterday, and you know, our God is so infinite that He pours out gifts in different ways on different people. But generally speaking, visions are literal, and so there's no interpretation needed. But dreams are what we call night parables, so they need interpretation. So God is speaking to us in a metaphoric picture language. Just like the book of Revelation, this was a few years ago, um, I taught a two-year study on the book of Revelation. Carolyn was in my class, and one of the first things that we had to do was draw chapter by chapter the book of Revelation, and I mean, that was a challenge for me because I'm not an artist, and, you know, people would laugh at my stick figures and everything, but um, as Carolyn, I remember Carolyn said, well, God is putting our pictures on his refrigerator, you know, and I, I believe that. But, but we were just picturing, you know, so trying to picture these, what was going on in the book of Revelation. And uh, so God is speaking in a metaphorical language to us today. Some of it's literal. In Revelation, I do believe much of that is literal. 
but some of it is metaphorical. And so God does speak in metaphorical languages, and that can be in visions as well. So many of the visions that we get is pictures, and we need to know this, how to interpret metaphorically so we can understand what God is saying to us, whether it's in a vision or a dream. Okay, so why this says young men see vision, old men see dreams, is because the maturity level of interpreting metaphorical uh, parables, we could say, or metaphorical dreams, is going to require more maturity than for literal. If you see a literal picture, then it doesn't require as much interpretation, although it does require the knowledge to know that it's literal, because I've had dreams that were literal, and it's like, but God, I didn't realize it. I thought it was all metaphorical. And uh, then I kind of didn't do what I was supposed to do or handle a situation a certain way because I just took it as a metaphorical instead of literal. So there will be times you'll have literal dreams and you need to know God's giving you instructions on how to, how to do things. Over one-third of the Bible relates to dreams and visions. It, yeah, it does. Unfortunately, most Christians don't believe dreams are ways that God speaks to us today. So if we value our dreams and we pay attention to them, God will speak to us more in the night season. And um, dreams dreams come in God's picture language. It's so true. The more we value something, God will give us more. Um, that's what God says actually in um, Matthew. Matthew thirteen ten to 23. The disciples asked Jesus, Why do you speak in parables? He answered, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while they are seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand, and you will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, calloused, and hardened, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. So, in this, in this passage, it's showing us that we, we want God to open our eyes. We want to see what he's, tell, what he's showing us. We want to hear what he's speaking to us. But we have been dull. Our hearts have been dull. We've had a hard heart. And um, this is the way much, much of the church is today. They haven't valued dreams. They don't value God speaking. I mean, I... I was in the Baptist church for 20 years. And, you know, God suddenly showed me differently. And it's not that I was seeking differently, but I just was surrendering to God. And then he poured out his spirit. And, you know, I didn't have any framework for what he was doing. But I just remember having these, um, I was a Bible study teacher, and I just remember having these uh, curriculum meetings or whatever and, um, do we want to pick a curriculum where God's 
speaks to us today. This was actually one of the topics of discussion, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, yes, God does speak today. But I'm telling you, I was with one other person, the only two in that room that believed that God spoke today. And that, that's a sad issue when the majority, you're, you're the majority of people in the church today don't believe that God speaks to you. And even they say, well, well, that's a parable, you know. But God does speak to us through parables, and we need to develop an understanding for the way that God speaks. God's chosen to conceal things from those that don't value it and reveal things to those that do. The concealment of truth is actually the mercy of God to lessen the judgment for a hard-hearted person. We have to get out of the hardness of heart condition, being callous and dull. We need to begin to understand the parables and dreams of the, va- of the Bible and to value our dreams and ask God to speak to us. So we want to cross over to being able to think and understand parables, to grasp the knowledge of the kingdom. And if you do grasp that knowledge, you will be given more. If you don't value these things, even what you have will be taken away. And so that's, that's what's happened with the church. We haven't valued God speaking to us. We haven't valued dreams. And so we've lost it as a whole. In fact, we've let the New Age steal it from us. You know, if we don't value it, if the church doesn't value it, you know, God is still speaking, but where do the people go? They go elsewhere to the New Age. So, um, in fact, right now, I would just like to even pray um, a prayer of repentance for being hard-hearted. And I know much of it's not... We've been taught that. You know, we've been taught that in our churches. I was taught that. So if you, if you were taught that God doesn't speak today or that we can't value our dreams, then um, you could just we could just ask for God to forgive us. We can repent that and um, so is that all right (laughs) okay Lord I just I just ask you Lord to forgive us for being hard-hearted and for not valuing you speaking to us especially through dreams and visions Lord and uh, Lord I know that you just want to pour out so much to everybody here and to us and you want to continue to speak to us more and so Lord we just we ask you to um, forgive us for for being hard-hearted, for being callous, for being dull. And, Lord, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to quicken us and to pour out on us, Lord, and give us more dreams and visions. And, Lord, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to bring us the interpretation, to show us what these metaphorical pictures are all about. And we thank you in Jesus' name. In Proverbs 25.2, it says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. So why does God choose to speak in this strange way? He chooses to speak in a concealed way. It requires the Holy Spirit to discern how he speaks. God wants to draw us out. It's the lover wooing the bride to draw us near and to dig deeper. It's a love language of the Lord. He wants us to go after the revelation. Dreams will bypass the resistance of our soul, our soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And (laughs) dreams may be different from our opinion, our training, or our theology. So dreams may seem too difficult to believe or impossible to fulfill. 
but God is bypassing our mind. He's bypassing the analysis of our mind. And sometimes, I know with me, that's what he had to do. Because I, I just had no framework, no teaching to hold what he wanted to do. And uh, so he had, he's had to bypass my mind on many occasions. Finally, I just said, do it, Lord. <laughs> if I don't understand, that's okay. You know, and I think eventually our mind kind of catches up with what the Spirit is doing. But it's so hard for us in the beginning, I think, to even understand our minds, to understand what the Spirit is doing with us. But our spirit does communicate. Our, our spirit communicates with the Holy Spirit. And so that's what, that's what we do. And at night, that's, that's what we do. I, um, when, when we sleep, we'll get into this later. But when we go to sleep, you know, read scripture, pray, and just uh, release your spirit to commune with the Spirit of God. And um, you will have dreams and do things in your spirit. Your spirit will be doing things that, you know, your mind doesn't even know about. And then um, you may have what they call a deja vu experience later where it's like, I know I've done this before. But it's actually your spirit did do it before in a dream. And uh, you may have dreamt about, I know this has happened to me, I've dreamt about praying for healing for someone. And then it's like, I felt like I really went there. And it's true, my spirit may have really gone there and prayed for a particular person. And, um, wow, I mean, it, it can happen. We, we can um, trans, transcend time and age and years. We can go forward in dreams. We can go backwards in dreams. It's really amazing what we can do in dreams. Okay, Job thirty-three fourteen to 17 says, Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, a vision of the night when sound sleep falls on men while they slumber in their bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction that he may turn man from his conduct and keep man from pride. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing over into Sheol. God will speak through a dream and a vision. He'll give you a dream and he'll conceal it away and you don't even know you have it. This can be a calling dream. A calling dream is when God is um, calling you to your destiny. But, and, and even moving, he's calling you to move in the supernatural. And he prepares you in these calling dreams to walk into your destiny. He comes, he plants the seed into your spirit, but you don't even remember. These dreams are sealed until an appointed time, and then you do it. He'll seal these dreams to protect you from yourself and from pride, and it keeps you from becoming prideful. Dreams can also be a preferred way of revelation. We'll talk later about the different types of dreams, but there can be calling dreams, there can be correction dreams, there can be deliverance dreams. Uh, but uh, they can be a preferred way of revelation. Dreams are concealed, and you'll get less resistance or warfare. There's like what they call a clarity versus cost factor. The greater the clarity of the revelation, the greater the cost will be for it to come to pass. So if somebody gives you a, I know, it's kind of, it's a clarity versus cost factor. The greater the clarity of the word or of the revelation, the greater the cost, meaning there will be more warfare for it to come about. So uh, that's why dreams can be a preferred way of revelation, because it's it's concealed. (laughs) And uh, there's not as much warfare involved in dreams, which is good. But that doesn't mean run away from prophetic words or whatever. 
but but if you notice when you've had a prophetic word about doing such and such, there's going to be warfare regarding that prophetic words. I mean, think about it. It usually happens. So, um, okay. Numbers 12, 6 to 8, the Lord said to Aaron and Miriam, Hear now my words, and if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly, and not in dark sayings, and he beholds the form of the Lord. So Moses did have a very special relationship with the Lord, face to face, and he behold, beheld the Lord. But the Lord does speak to man in a vision. He does speak to man in a dream. And he will make himself known. He'll speak, let's see, there's also the face-to-face communication, but there is also the dark speech. The dark speech just means like riddles and um, enigmas that God could speak, even in puns, the way he spoke with Barbara, heal, you know. Is it H-E-E-L or H-E-A-L? You know, so God will use this type of language with us. So we need to develop our um, vocabulary, and that's what hopefully you'll do from this class. You'll, you'll have a dream language that God will speak to you, and, and then you'll recognize, oh, heal. That means heal. <laughs> so um, he'll, he'll expand our dream language. So sometimes the entire searching out process can be melodramatic because God does it as a lover's game to draw us near to him. So that's what he's doing. He's drawing us near to him. He may give you numbers, like I remember you shared about the 222. Okay, so that requires, okay, where's that number? You know, so you're digging in scripture, and you're trying to find 222, and you found Isaiah 22, or 222, two, I think. Okay, about the doors. And so, so you know, the Lord is just drawing us near to him to, to spend time in his word, and he speaks to us this way. So it's, it's kind of like a lover's game as well. Okay, dreams in the Bible. Dreams and visions are perhaps the most common ways God has communicated with man. The Bible contains more than 50 references to dreams and visions in which God delivered the messages. The first dream in scripture was Abraham's dream in Genesis 15, 12 to 17. I think some of these are in that little book typed out, too. So you'll see the scriptures in there. The first dream is uh, was Abraham's dream, and he, that was when God made a covenant with him and his descendants. And God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that's not theirs where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. So God is giving a prophetic word to Abraham about his future generations. Okay, in uh, Genesis 31.10, it's about Jacob. Through dreams, Jacob received God's promises regarding his inheritance. Jacob was given divine instructions in a dream outlining how he was to increase his wages of the striped and the uh, speckled flock. That was because he was going to, the Lord was increasing his wealth. I mean, so God was actually giving him a method of increasing his wealth by showing him what to do with the, with the, uh, with the flock so that they would produce striped and speckled, which he was going to keep. 
Oh, here it is. And it came about at that time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were stripes, speckled, and mottled. Okay. Genesis 37, verses 6 to 10, it's about Joseph. God revealed Joseph's destiny through his dreams. Joseph had two dreams which shows his, his eventual rule over his brothers, and, of course, he shared it with his brothers, which caused him a lot of trouble. <laughs> Okay, please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. I had it, I have had it still another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars are bowing down to me. So this caused Joseph to not be very popular when he was young, and his brothers hated him, and it caused jealousy. So you, we do need God's wisdom in knowing who to share our dreams with as well. Okay. But also at the same time when Joseph was being persecuted and prison, the pit, you know, God, he could hold on to these dreams. And I believe that that helped him go through all the persecution that he did. Mm-hmm. It is, yes, and don't just discount it. Mm-hmm. Good. Especially if the opposite seems to be happening. So a lot of times that will happen. We'll have a dream about grandiose dreams, and then it seems like absolute opposite is happening. And so that's the whole testing process, testing of faith, too. Yeah. Okay, then Joseph, the husband of Mary, we see Matthew 1, 20 to 21 and 2, 19. He was quite a dreamer. He was given a dream where the angel of the Lord appeared to him, instructing him to take Mary, his um, though pregnant, as his wife. And later, in Matthew two nineteen, after Herod was dead, the angel of the Lord appeared to, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and go into the land of Egypt, for those who have sought the child's life are dead. Okay, in Daniel, he was known as a dreamer, but in the, in the whole book of Daniel, only one dream of his was recorded. Most of he had five visions. And, um, but the dream in Daniel 2, it was the dream where he had to dream what Nebuchadnezzar was dreaming, and he had to give the interpretation. So that was quite something. But God, he does give the credit to the Lord, you know, who gave him the interpretation and the dream. Uh, In the book of Ezekiel, those were visions. They were four visions, and they were not dreams. So that was interesting. So dreams and visions, they didn't die with the apostles or the fulfillment of the canon of scriptures. That's what I was taught. (laughs) God's been speaking to mankind through history. The Eastern culture still today accepts dreams more readily than the Western culture because the Western culture seems to focus more on intellect. Dreams had a distinct place in early history. We see a lot of things about um, Polycarp had a dream before he um, was killed. He had had a dream about that beforehand. Uh, We see... Many inventions were given through dreams. There's also, God gives a lot of creativity through dreams. Handel's Messiah, that whole masterpiece was given in a dream. 
So there's quite quite a few things that God gives in dreams. Um, some of you may have had invention dreams, and and God will give you you know ideas of how how to do something or solve a problem in a dream. Okay, dreams, visions, night visions, and um, nothing is everything, as Paul would say. So th- this is just general, generally speaking. So, and I think you, we can cross over between dreams and visions too, because I know if if I think about it, I have visions that are pictures, and they need to be interpreted. So. I guess the easy way we would generally distinguish is that dreams we think are at nighttime when we're sleeping, and visions would be during the day, and it could be when you're praying or just driving the car or, or doing you know any mundane thing. So that's generally speaking, but they they can cross over too. Okay, you can have a dream while awake. And you can have a vision while asleep. So there, there is that, you can do that as well. In fact, the dreams which seem so real to you and you remember so well, like you were there, you say, oh, I know I was there. Um, that might actually be what we call a night vision because they're so extremely real. I mean, it's like an experience. It's not just a dream. Okay, dreams are defined as a succession of images or ideas present in the mind during sleep. Dreams are formed in the subconscious mind of a person based on images and symbols which are unique to the individual, depending on his or her background. So God will speak to you in a language that you will understand. So you need to to know what is your dream language. I'm, I'm just thinking of um, an example of that would be Lou Engel, who many of you probably have heard of. He's has been a prophetic intercessor, and he would, ha- he would often often have dreams about the basketball court. Well, for him, the basketball court is representing the Supreme Court. So now he's in Washington, D.C., starting a Justice House of Prayer, but most of the prayer is being focused on the court system right now. So it's very interesting. But God would speak to him through his experiences of being on the basketball court. And so he knew that was his dream language, how God would speak to him. So God will give you a dream language, too. Dreams are messages sent either from God's spirit or, for, or they could be from your uh, soul comprised of mind, will, or emotions. Now, even what we call soul dreams, um, I do believe we can interpret that with the spirit. Because when when we do dream evangelism or, or you may be talking with people and they, they're not Christians, but yet God will speak to, him, to them through the dream, just like what Paul was saying. And, uh, you know, something, a bear, like, uh, I'll have my students write their dreams down. A bear is chasing me. Okay, well, that means <laughs> there's a demonic influence, you know, chasing, c- coming after the, the person. There's a hindrance there, some type of a demonic, uh, hindrance. So, um, whether it's, you want to call it a spirit dream or a soul dream, I still think God can use those dreams to bring us to Him. You know, even, what we would call, I guess, a soul dream, like a bear chasing a person, that could be showing that the person needs to come to God. Okay? 
dreams can communicate to us truths that our conscious mind may have failed to acknowledge. One word for dreams, we've got these, um, there's a lot of Hebrew words and Greek words, but I just picked one of each for each one of them, which I think are the most common ones. Chala, which is Hebrew, it means to cause to dream. And uh, inupnion, E-N-U-P-N-I-O-N, it means something seen in sleep or a vision during sleep. And we've got the scriptures there, Acts 2.17, Jude 1.8. Okay, for visions, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that word either. It's C-H-I-Z-Z-A-Y-O-W-N. It's Hebrew, meaning a revelation, especially in a dream. And we've got the scripture there, if you want to look that up. Second Samuel 7.17, Job 14.13, Isaiah 22.1, and Zechariah 13.4. And then the last one, Horasis. It's Greek. Something gazed at, a sight, a thing seen, and that's in Matthew 79, Acts 7:31, and 9, 10 to 12, 10 and 12. So, summing it up, visions can seem so real that they can be hard to distinguish from real life. Visions are God's way of making himself known to us, and that's the numbers 12, 6 that we had talked about before. Visions are the picture language of God. Visions are usually received while awake, during times of worship, prayer, meditation, contemplation, or they can be when you least expect it. Um, one example, least expecting it, was Sean Boltz, who has been mentored by Bob Jones. He had a vision while playing video games. I mean, that doesn't seem holy at all. <laughs> but God just took him into a vision while he's playing video games. I thought, that's an interesting thing. Okay, visions can come at night while sleeping. The dreams that, we've already talked about that. Okay, the dreams that you really remember, these may be the night visions. Visions may be etched and burned in your spirit. Okay, so two ways visions are seen. They can be internal, in your mind's eye, an inner eye, it can be at night. Daniel had visions at night internally in his mind. Daniel... 4, 5, verse 10, 13, and also Daniel 7, 7. Okay, uh, visions can be seen externally. This is seen with the eye wide open, and it can be in three ways. It could be seeing uh, in the coexisting spiritual realm. If you remember 2 Kings six seventeen. <coughs> where um, Elisha prayed for his servant that his eyes would be open so he could see the army of God. Ex- also externally, you could have an open heaven experience, like in Ezekiel 1.1, Isaiah 6, Genesis 28.12. You could also see externally in the future realm, Something that's going to happen in the future. Daniel saw the visions of the future with open eyes. Daniel 8.3 and 10.7. The Apostle John saw all the visions in the book of Revelation. And during visions, the spiritual realm is open to us. In visions, the external realm is seen. No time exists in that realm. Okay. All right, so this is generally speaking, okay, 
Visions are, we'll say, more literal. They don't need interpretation. Dreams are metaphorical, picture form, and they do need to be interpreted. Okay, secular interpretations versus biblical interpretation. Okay, two people in the Bible were dream interpreters. That was Daniel and Joseph. And they studied dream interpretation from the popular method of the day. Daniel was trained by the Babylonian wise men of the day, and Joseph was acquainted with the Egyptian methods of interpretation. However, God gave them knowledge and skill. Joseph recognized that dream interpretation came from God. In Genesis 48, he said, Then they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Does not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. The popular method of the day could not interpret the dream, and the same is true today. Dreams from God cannot be interpreted by the popular psychological methods of today. And that would include the Jungian and the Freudian methods of today. They can't interpret dreams that are from God. Okay, they're different. Okay, the Jungian dream analysis. Dreams depict aspects of the dreamer's personality that have been neglected in his or her conscious life in order to attempt to reveal the subconscious. Everything in the dream is about you. For example, a baby is your inner child. They believe that things on the outside are working its way, excuse me, things on the inside are working its way out versus the biblical approach is that things on the outside are working its way in. Okay, uh, in the Jungian method, there's also archetypes, for example, the masculine, the feminine, the mandala, which is a shadowy side of a person. The theory uses mythology, history, and comparative religions. The dreamers asked, what conscious attitude does the dream compensate? Does the dream reveal unconscious prejudices, attitudes, and conflicts and desires? And Carl Jung is not a Christian. By accepting these principles and dream interpretation, the church is allowing pagan and adult occult thinking to enter the church. And I know there are even some Christian materials out there that use this method. And I even thought, oh, this is nice. I'll try this. But it started me thinking a different direction. So um, let me just finish this section. Okay. Then the, the Freudian dream analysis. That's dreams come from memories that are stimulated by unconscious wishes which have their origin in our childhood. It doesn't matter whether the patient agrees or feels the interpretation is correct, which is opposite of the biblical interpretation, because the dreamer will know in his spirit when the interpretation is correct. But this is saying that, you know, the uh, person doing the analysis knows everything, therefore. uh, um, That person would have the interpretation. Dreams in the Freudian method are full of sexually erotic overtones, and the focus is on latent unconscious feelings of which dreamers aren't aware. In the psychotherapy models, everything in the dream represents a piece of you. If you use that method, King Nebuchadnezzar would... <laughs> that was the dream that he had, the statue dream. He had the head was gold, the breastplate was silver, the, thigh, the breast was silver, the thighs were bronze, the legs were iron and clay. In that dream, if you took that and interpreted it with the Freudian method, you would say he has major childhood issues. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that would not be 
the way to interpret it. In Daniel 2.27, he says, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king what will take place in the latter days. Okay, and then this is a chart that um, John Paul Jackson gave this summer, and it really, it just kind of sums it all up. Secular interpretation, biblical interpretation. So, um, in the secular interpretation, we have temporal. Biblical is external. The secular interpretation, it's internally originated. Biblical would be externally originated. Secular would be psych-driven. Biblical would be spirit-driven. Secular is introspective. Biblical is theospective. Secular is uh, archetypical characters. Uh, Biblical would be spiritual beings. You will have spiritual beings in your dreams. And so that would be interpreted biblically, not with the other method. Um, Secular is, there's a singular meaning. Biblical is there many levels of meaning. Sometimes your dream will mean something for that time, and you'll think two years later, oh, that applied to today. (laughs) Okay, secular is self-change. Biblical is God's going to change you. Secular is logically driven. Biblical is intuitive driven. Secular is self-centristic, meaning focus all on self. And biblical is theocentristic. Focus, theo is, means God, focusing on God. As you seek out God's secret language, he'll speak to you in your own dream language. 